1: For the athletic, and we are back together on the podcast after a month away. Jordan, I missed you uh, while I was on parental leave, but you did a, a fantastic job with some great fill-in hosts. Um, really kept things moving. I don't, I didn't really see anybody tweeting me at all saying, "Oh, we really miss you." You know, come back to the teardown. I, I didn't see anything. So I was actually uh, the complete know. opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so unless you got some tweets I didn't No, really I'm I'm it.
0: saying it's like it was actually really positive feedback and I did not get exactly
1: exactly yeah yeah it was super positive I thought you know I listened to it each week and I was uh you know I was like oh how's how's this gonna go you know because I'm like t- telling myself well I I know how to do this podcast I've been doing this podcast for a while this used to be the untitled Jeff Gluck podcast blah 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 and I'm like oh wow you know Jordan just uh, picked right up and there was no hiccups and I was like, maybe I should just uh, take some more leave and never come back. But
0: uh, I'm a professional, Jeff. That's what we do here. We just uh, step right in. Seamless. I am glad you're back. It's fun. And we got a lot to talk about. And you know what? You picked a great day to come back, too, because we had three big races today. And, it, again, uh, lots to talk about and a very busy racing calendar.
1: Well, at first, I was like, oh, gosh, what are we going to talk about? Because for a lot of much of the Richmond race, I was like, man, I should have waited one more week to Talladega. Because, <laughs> you know, I was like... This is not uh, – I was thinking this is going to be like a record low Richmond rating for the was it a good race poll and stuff. I was already looking it up because, you know, um, some of your, your fill-in hosts there put me in a little bit of a hole. I'm down 5-4 now. Um, but, you know, they had some close guesses. But I, I, need to, I need to come back. So I was already looking ahead. And then, you know, even before the, the late caution there with Harvick and the restart, which Alex Bowman ended up taking advantage of – um, you know, you had some exchanges there with with Hamlin and Logano, you know, some back and forth, uh, some racing side by side. And, you know, it sort of made me sit up at the edge of my seat and, and pay notice, pay attention. You know, you're like, ah, this race isn't doing much. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. This is getting good. So, um, you know, I, I thought that it, it certainly salvaged itself in, into what many would classify a good race even before Bowman and then the exciting finish unpredictability of it kind of saved it. It was just, uh, you know, not unlike in a way, not unlike like Atlanta, you know, where, you know, a guy comes out of nowhere at the end um, to win. But I, you know, overall I thought it was, it was a good race. It was
0: something it's better than most Richmond races, which I think we're going to get into in a little bit. And in Richmond to me is just one of those tracks that people don't talk about a lot, but it's not, it's not a great racetrack. It hasn't been for many years and, and we're going to get more into that. Talking about Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano, I was enthralled because, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about you know, why you're gone and even before you're gone a little bit of, you know, Denny Hamlin is a very clean race car driver. And I know there's some Chase Elliott fans out there that disagree, but he's a pretty clean guy and he's not somebody who likes to use the bumper. And he was kind of giving it to Logano a little bit. And as the laps were going by, I was starting to wonder. he's like the frustration that Denny Hamlin's had in a year where he's been dominant. He's been finishing in the top five in every single race this year but one, but he doesn't have a win. Is this the time where he just kind of says, you know what, screw it, I'm going to put the bumper to him and move him out of the way, and I'm going to get that win. And I, I thought we might see that coming because you could kind of see him just building up a little bit, tapping the Joey a little bit, tapping him, kind of shoving him a little bit. And it felt like we were going to get that to happen before the Kevin Harvick crash. And then the end there with Alex Bowman and that restart. Great job by Alex Bowman. He he had about four or five laps. He said he thought to to get it. You know that was his window and to get you know to get in the lead, build up a little bit of a gap, and then hold everybody off. And that's exactly what happened. And it was good. And for Alex Bowman, it's it's a big win for a lot of reasons. Um, He's been overlooked this year a little bit by you know he's been overshadowed this year by his Hendrick teammates. You know Kyle Larson's back and has won a race. Chase Elliott's a defending champion. William Byron's got a win, and Alex is kind of doing his thing, and it's been an up-and-down year where they've had speed in their race cars a lot of week. They just have not been able to execute. They've not had clean races, and you're starting to wonder, is this kind of one of those years where you're just snake bit, and this answers the question of whether he's going to be in the playoffs or not.
1: Yeah, well, going back to the uh, Logano hamlin thing, I, I was intrigued by that as well because, you know, you just go back a couple weeks and, and Hamlin says, well, I don't race like that, you know, and I'm like, like you, I was thinking – well, now's your chance to probably race like that because you're probably kicking yourself. And and I think, you know, not to, you know, minimize such a a tragic thing that happened in Indianapolis with the shooting at the FedEx place. But I think that actually that would have played into it. Where I think he badly. I mean, he had the names of the people written on his hat, and you I'm sure? sure he felt yes, and the, and the car, um, and and you know, they had a black ribbon on it and all this stuff. And I think he probably felt a tremendous amount of responsibility to like sort of give the company a morale boost. Not that that takes away anything from people losing their lives, but you know, something like, Hey, this is something positive that happened after a, t- a terrible week. And I think if he was in the situation, he would have, you know, moved him and said, you know, or bumped him out of the way and said, Hey, I had to do this for FedEx, for the employees, that, that kind of thing. Like I could have seen that happening again, not to minimize the tragedy at all. I just think that that could have been sort of that, you know, Hey, sports can help heal sometimes kind of moments. And, um, I think he was, the disappointment you saw was probably related to that as well, where he wanted to win for those people, not just himself, but, um, but he didn't get that chance. So, you know, it's interesting that you go back to the final pit stop, And you know, TV is showing you know the happy Hamlin crew and the uh, disappointed Logano crew because it was just this close that he got out in front of him, and that ultimately wasn't you know Alex Bowman was the one who won that race. Logano starts on the outside, Hamlin takes the inside. The outside hadn't been good all day. Um, uh, Bowman had a, a better position there, and he was able to just take off on that short run, like you said, and and capitalize on it. So. Um, really interesting that the race turned out that way. You could see Bowman coming um, for a he while. He was fast you know? all day. I mean, yeah, he had yeah. he was
0: there was times throughout the race he was actually running the fastest lap times. He just didn't have track position. And then when he got up there once, they had a pit road penalty. And so it's just one of those things. And he you know he comes off third on that final restart. And I was you know talking to someone. And I'm like, he this watch the 48 here. They, they, he's got a shot because he's as good as these guys are. He just hasn't had the opportunity. Plus, I, I mean. He's a little hungrier too. I mean, his situation is much different than Logano and Hamlin. I mean, Logano's got to win. He knows what his fate is. Hamlin's Denny Hamlin. He's running away with the regular season championship. Uh, you know, Alex Bowman. You know, he's probably going to make the playoffs, but you can't take it. For, you can't take it for granted, and you need that win badly to kind of salvage what has been a, a herky jerky start to the season. So there was no lack of motivation there.
1: I, I, I agree with most of that. I just disagree on like the hungrier part. Cause I mean, I really think that it's wearing on Hamlin at this point. point, nine races into the season, you know, as you said, he has, you know, 80 something point lead. He's really dominating the series and yet nothing to show for it in terms of wins. He's got five stage wins, which gives him the playoff points for, uh, you know, the equivalent of one win. But I mean, he should have a few by now. And really we, we saw how much playoff points can matter, Um, when Harvick, you know, could have used one more, I guess, last year, despite his great regular season. Um, And, and, you know, you don't know when you're going to need him or not need him, but you'll certainly take all you can get in the playoffs. Um, And even though he's dominating right now, you need need what you can get. So I think for all the reasons we've said, I mean, he's really hungry for a win as well, but um, certainly Bowman had a lot of incentive to go out and do it. Um, But I think a lot of them do right now. I mean, it's a really weird season so far still. It's it's really tough to, usually at this point, we're really talking about, you know, hey, who can we start to think about for, for a championship favorite or who's kind of running away with it? Or this guy has a few wins, can anybody stop him? And aside from Hamlin just running well every week, which is great, but again, without the playoff points and the wins, I don't really know that you can sort of label him as like the guy right now to win the title. So it's a really weird year with these eight, winners in in nine different races so far. Yeah,
0: I would agree with that to some extent. I mean, to me, Hamlin's performance, and he touched on it post-race, which I thought was an interesting comment where he said he would much rather have his season than an Alex Bowman type season where Alex has got a win, but he's been up and down. And I would agree with that. I mean, I would much rather be Denny Hamlin and say, I know I can finish fifth every week in the top five and a couple breaks go my way. I'm probably going to win the race. I mean, I'm looking at it here. I mean, he could easily have three, four wins, you know, this year. No problem. I I would much rather have that performance. And if you're running like this going into the playoffs, you have to feel confident that you're going to make the final four. And we're starting to see, I think, in a season where we've talked about a lot of, you know, who's the favorite? You know, every week it kind of looked like somebody different. I think we're starting to see it shift a little bit where Denny Hamlin is obviously in that class. I think Joey Logano's in that group. He won it. Uh, bristol a few weeks ago he he had a good run last week at martinsville Uh, another good run today Um, consistency's been there from him i mean he finished second on the daytona road course probably could have should have won the daytona 500 and martin trex jr is the other guy i mean martin's the only guy who's got two victories this year Um, we're starting to see it out of him on different racetracks so still early a lot can change but it does seem to be that those three guys, and I would probably put Kyle Larson in there as the fourth, but he had his first really off race today. But I think we're starting to see some of the favorites emerge a little bit.
1: I mean, you say that, and you you have good points. But I this year, you know, with the way that the rules packages are, and you know, I almost divide it up, and you know, you've got to like look at seven fifty packages versus five fifty sure. packages, and those tracks and you know who's done well so far now given that the last two races of the season are um 750 tracks Martinsville and Phoenix you would say advantage maybe uh, Truex or Joe Gibbs Racing something like that because um you look at uh, the tracks are going to go back to just like Chase Elliott did last year if you can get, hit those tracks you you nail those tracks uh you're golden you know um but stretching throughout the summer um i i it's still tough to tell i mean where's Where's Hendrick going to pop up as their strength? Even though they they won today, you wouldn't say they were uh, anywhere near the best car. Um, You know, this was going to look like... I mean, if you take away Truex's penalty, his his speeding penalty, and Kyle Busch's commitment line penalty, um, they were probably both going to finish top four. Bell did finish fourth. So you probably would have had um, four Joe Gibbs cars in the top five with Logano maybe winning had that caution not come out. Um, you know, I guess you could say Bowman could have gotten up there, but you would have had all four Joe Gibbs racing cars having a pretty good day at a short track again. So, you know, I, I guess I I can't really, and, and Penske as well. I mean, um, Kozlowski, who knows what, what his day would have been like without that, crazy strategy and can we talk about that for a minute <laughs> yeah can um, we
0: please I, I, listen no disrespect to jeremy bullens who's a lot smarter than i am um and, and it's always easy to monday morning quarterback crew chief calls and everything but that was one of those things that in the moment you're, you're sitting there going what are we doing here what, what's going on
1: yeah i don't think that was monday morning monday morning quarterback because um <laughs> right away you're like uh because we've seen so often that when people short pit we're almost conditioned. Like you can almost hear Steve LaTarte from the NBC broadcasting your voice like, okay, they, they made the call. This team pitted first. Now everybody's got to answer and come in immediately like this lap where they're going to lose the, you know, the time and the Delta it's going to shrink and all this stuff. So you're, you're almost thinking like, okay, as soon as this one guy pits at a track where tires matter, you've got to bring everybody else in. You've got to bring your driver in right now. And that can be the difference in the race. And so when, you know, you're seeing Keselowski sort of stretch it out, you're like, uh, haven't we seen this not work before? with different guys. Like, I don't know, this is really going to be successful. And then, um, I thought they had a point there for a minute when they're like, okay, well, even if you know this stage doesn't go well, or strategy doesn't work out well. Um, you know, we'll have an extra set of tires for the end. And then Larry Mack comes on. He's like, yeah, probably not. Everybody's even going to use their last set of tires. (laughs) So I don't really know that that matters. And then you just see him going backwards and backwards and backwards. And then it was like, by the end of the stage, Instead of, oh, can he use the strategy to win the stage with such a big lead, it was, is he going to get lapped? Like, that was just it – just, it just backfired uh, and really took him out. He ends up finishing 14th today when he could have had a top five.
0: Yeah, I mean, the speed was in that car, and this is a great track for him, and you can it- – you I guess you're swinging for the fence in that call but when you you're a crew chief and you got you know we all know this is that they study trends and the trends here at Richmond are how many laps was it Jeff without it without an accident without a crash a natural caution
1: oh yeah yeah it had been uh over 600 right yeah so I mean over 600 it, yeah
0: you, you do you can't bank on that caution coming to save you because this statistically just is not going to happen and that's exactly how stage two played out and Track position track position is key. And it doesn't matter if you have a fast car or not. We saw with Bowman today. Bowman had a race, great race car through much of the day, but didn't have the track position until the end. And if you don't put yourself in that spot, it is really hard to make up. And once Keselowski got behind, he never made it up.
1: Yeah, I mean, you had a 90-lap run um, in Stage 2, which that was a, a really long stage. And then once Stage 2 began, it was a 135-lap run, I think it looks like, on here um, until Harvick's tire incident. So, and, and that, again, that, like you said, that's what's been happening at Richmond. Um, if we can go back to a point, cause you, you kind of brought this up about Richmond earlier in the podcast, well, what has happened at Richmond? I, I still don't really understand because you know, the nickname used to be the action track. And when I look back at the cautions, over the years at Richmond that that was justified. Like when I first got into NASCAR, like I I was working at the Rocky Mount telegram in North Carolina and Richmond was sort of like the home track. Um, that was the closest track to me in, in Eastern North Carolina. And I was, you know, at every race, you know, all the time back then. And when I look back, you know, starting in 2001, the amount of, uh, let's see every race from 2001 to 2009, two races a year, um, except for one, had at least nine cautions, and most of them had double-digit cautions. Sometimes in the mid-double digits. Um, now, since uh, 2013, there's only been one race with double-digit cautions. That was in 2016, um, and most of these races now, like today, had five. But you know, most of them were not natural cautions. There were only two natural cautions. Last year's race had zero natural cautions. Um, you know, cause you're having competition cautions and stage breaks and all this stuff. So even though it says, you know, three, five, five, three, five for recent races, a lot of those aren't even real legit cautions, so to speak. What I don't, I just don't understand what happened to this track.
0: I would even go further than just the lack of cautions. I would say that we have now seen a trend over the last, and I'd have to go back and look at the hard numbers. I don't know. I'm say three, four, five years where, you tend to get one driver just kind of locked in and dominating whether, you know, we saw it today with Hamlin led 207 laps. We've seen in the past with Kyle Busch where he's been dominant here. Martin Truex jr. Has stomped the field many times here leading laps. It's just, it seems like one driver, one team hits on a setup and they can just run away with it. Um, You know, you you talk to some people and they say that the track, you know, the thing about Richmond was it was a short track, but it kind of races like a, a intermediate track. We've heard that before. And, this is now more of an intermediate track where arrow matters. The field gets spread out a little bit, and you can yeah, the the track is wide enough where you don't have to kind of race hard. You don't have to have you don't have the tight confines like Martinsville. You don't have the the high speed bumping and banging like you do at Bristol. And this is a racetrack where you can just kind of run away and hide a little bit, and you're you're going to lose that physicality that we've seen. I don't know how you fix it. I mean, they have tried what sealer there. They've tried not sealer. They've done different things. This has just not been a good racetrack. We we make fun of Kentucky a lot. (laughs) We've made fun of some other racetracks on the schedule quite a bit. And and not to be mean or anything, but Richmond probably is in that category of among the worst NASCAR tracks if you look at it the last few years. I I know today's finish was great, and, and that tends to kind of override a lot of things. And we have seen good finishes over the last few years at Richmond, but the overall racing is just not good.
1: Well, it... It's tough because, you know, you look at the the battle at the end, like you said, and I thought that made it, as I mentioned earlier, that was enough to make it a good race. Sure. But when you're talking about a short track, like you, you mentioned this race is like a mile and a half. Now, I would go a step further and say this race is like the mile and a half sort of before this current rules package, because That's the mile fair. and a halfs now, they're actually pretty solid, right? Like, I mean, they're pretty crazy and the cars stay bunched up and you look at the Las Vegas race this year for instance, and I think people felt like that was a pretty good race with yeah. this package. Homestead was and phenomenal. Yeah. So you look at this, this kind of racing, like they have, it races like an intermediate before where everybody's like, Oh, there's no passing. It's a parade kind of thing. And it's just, you know, for a three quarter mile track, that's just not what you want to see. So I, I guess, you know, when I say it, it's a good race, um, and the strategy played out and stuff, that's actually, that's, that's fine. It, it, that did make it a good race. I'm not going to backtrack on that, but what, you for a short track, you expect something different. You expect contact, you expect tempers and wrecks and stuff like that. You, you see the rest of that at a normal race. You can get the strategy at a Pocono or whatever you don't need in Michigan. You know, you don't, you don't need the, the contact at those races. That's not what you're expecting. But so I, I guess I just, I still don't really understand, especially because tires do seem to matter and, and you know, it's, it's a slick old older surface. It's not like they're all glued into the track so yeah I, I don't really have an explanation for it I guess I'm just thinking out loud but it's, it's just really been odd um, how how somebody just sets sail and you're just like okay you know
0: Yeah, I don't have an explanation for it I, I don't have a solution for it. it it's just interesting and to me you know Martinsville was kind of a similar race for the first couple stages where you, you had it, the field got spread out a little bit but to me I, I was enthralled by the fact that Denny Hamlin was so good on the short runs and Brian Blaney was so good in the long runs and you had to see these guys work traffic and try to fight each other and today I just I didn't see that for much of the race it just seemed like whoever got in front kind of stayed in front and the last you know 50 laps or so were, were, were very entertaining but before that I just it just never really felt to me anything like you, you see it in Martinsville even though if you look at the lap totals and lead lap totals and everything it's not much different
1: yeah yeah it's, it's interesting um, so what else from today jumped out at you? I know there was there was a couple different storylines going on. Uh, what else from this race did you want to touch on?
0: Yeah, a few different things. One, the beginning of the race was very similar for Kyle Busch. Started off out to lunch, was running outside the top ten, got better and better as the race went along, which is a theme that we have seen with Kyle Busch where they start off races poorly, then they get better, and then they put themselves in position, but by then it's just too late and today he was all the way up to third and was really running lap times that were as good as the guys in front of him. If he doesn't have that issue getting onto pit road and the commitment line violation, he's certainly in the mix. To me, it's indicative of the season that Kyle Busch has had, which is they they have issues off the truck. They just do not have speed to start races, and they're putting themselves in too big of a hole to overcome where they just, there is no margin of error, and we saw that again today.
1: Yeah, he's still behind Christopher Bell in points. Um, nine races into the season now. So kind of weird. Uh, you just keep waiting for Kyle Busch to break out and be the old Kyle Busch and just be like, Oh, Hey, now you know, they're back or whatever. Um, and it just seems like, you know, when we were talking about favorites before, once again, he's just not really in the conversation right now for whatever reason. So, uh, pretty odd there. Um, I also think that it's worth giving a shout out to, uh, Eric Almirola because certainly, yes. um, you know, he's had a, a pretty miserable start to the season. Um, <laughs> you know what's got to be frustrating for him, though, Jordan? So from what I'm looking at here, I, and this is the unofficial points, we haven't, as we do this podcast right after the race, we haven't got the official standings yet that I've seen. But um, he only moved up one spot today in points to 27th, despite finishing sixth. Um, his start of the season's been that bad. Uh, but he he finally got the run he needed today uh, and was really challenging there for, for top five for, for a while so um, i'm sure that's a relief to them harvick was going to be decent until his his wreck so stewart haas despite all the criticism they've taken uh this year almost had two cars in the top 10 so that would have been something yeah
0: and i, th- I was going to mention that is we, we saw some signs of life out of kevin harvick today really probably his best overall day until the end unfortunately best overall day speed wise since probably daytona where they just I mean, they were pretty good homestead i should say as well but they looked more like what we've seen out of this team. They were in the top five, running you know, consistently up there. They looked like they were a threat, and that's just something we haven't really seen out of them this year. And then you mentioned Eric Almirola. I mean, good run, top 10 finish. Needs a win badly if he's going to make the playoffs. I think it's fair to say that he's in a must-win position. But you know, get some momentum going. Get some of that positive vibes and just turn around your season. Going into a racetrack at Talladega where he is very, very good. So... That's good for him. Another guy too is Matt D. Um, top ten finish today. He's you know he's been close this year a few times, but hasn't broken through and gotten the top ten. And he's another guy too that has been off to a slow start, and he's going to need to start racking up these top ten finishes if he's going to climb back in this thing. So that was interesting. And then another guy I want to mention too is Tyler Reddick. Uh, Tyler had a good car today, was running in the top ten for a while, and then that the pit strategy in stage two kind of shuffled him out, and he left with a finish that was just okay. And he's another one of those guys, and I'm looking at his season going, okay, I mean, now is the time if you're going to start putting this together and you're going to get the playoffs in points. You better start knocking out these finishes. Otherwise, you're going to put yourself in a hole, and it's a must win.
1: So looking at the points now, um, Michael McDowell ended up uh, dropping to 17th in points today. So that is the first time all year where we've had – somebody um who is a race winner outside the top 16 now so chris busher is 16 the points, so he moves down a spot obviously right so um you're looking at these bubble guys and it's still early but it's nine races in now um ricky stenhouse jr is still in the top uh top 16 in points he would still make the playoffs today um, do you see him being able to point his way in at all? Like, is there any chance that he's able to maintain this if he
0: continues to do what he has done? And we are seeing a different, different Ricky Stenhouse Jr. this year a much more mature, a much more patient driver who is not putting himself in spots and isn't trying to do too much with a race car. He's done a very good job of finishing races and getting his you know if his car is finishing is a 15th place car he's finishing 15th he's getting the finishes he deserves and jtg has had more speed in their cars this year so i mean you look at ryan priest ryan priest has had horrendous luck and he's kind of fallen down the standings quite a bit but he's run much better than he is otherwise his finishes indicate i i don't see why ricky stenhouse jr can't be in the mix for a playoff spot on points if he continues to do this week after week now is that can he do that though that's the question
1: Right. And I think, you know, as you said, it, this is sort of goes against the trend for him because we're used to seeing him sort of overdrive and, and get an in incidents and wreck and all this stuff. He's he has no DNFs this year. He has no finishes outside the top twenty. Yeah. Um, but he also has only one finish inside the top ten, which he you know, he finished second at Bristol Dirt. Um, you know, but you know, if I think if you can get these thirteenth, twelfth, fifteenth place finishes you're going to be there. Mm-hmm. That said, you know, with the amount of winners this year, um, uh, I, I don't, I just don't know if he can, if he can sort of maintain that. He's going to have some chances if he's able to, you know, go to a Talladega, go to a Daytona, um, and run well, put himself in the mix to score some points, but, but road um, courses but aren't be... his friend though.
0: And right. And, he's... and,
1: and in general, his history is not his friend. <laughs> that At some point too, you would think it, he's it... going to overdrive it, but, He's done well, so I just wanted to mention that because I, you know, this late in the season to see his name up there. Um, if I can just, if I can look at last season real quick where he was after nine races, the answer is, do you want to guess?
0: Uh, 22nd.
1: 21st in points yeah. after the first nine races last year. So, yeah. yeah, to be 14th now, pretty pretty good. Absolutely, and JTG's um,
0: been good. They've, they've had good cars this year. Much better than you would think.
1: So... Um let's you know we have a lot to, uh, of other stuff to get to in this podcast cuz I'd like to talk to, about the uh the IndyCar race a little bit, Jimmy Johnson's debut. I'd like to talk about F1 as well. Yeah, that was a lot great of race. talking today. about that. Yeah, I enjoyed watching that. Are you hang um, on are
0: you going to Miami next year or am I going to Miami next year?
1: Oh, yeah, we're going to have to fight <laughs> over this one, huh?
0: You go to Austin, I'll take Miami.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we don't even know if Austin will be the second one. That, that is, a, gas, that is right? a good
0: point. That's going to be interesting to see where that ends up. And the bigger picture, too, is what happens to Coda if they do lose F1.
1: Yeah, I don't know that NASCAR alone could sustain Coda, right? Um, it's ex-
0: That place is expensive to run from everything I've been told. That is not a cheap place.
1: Yeah, so that's a really interesting. If you missed the announcement, what Jordan's referring to is um, Formula One announced Sunday morning that they've signed a 10-year deal to run on a street circuit around the Dolphins Stadium in Miami which to me uh, you've been to a Dolphins game or games there before
0: I have ever? not I mean I have not been to a game there but I know the area well though
1: yeah I mean it's that's not exactly the most glamorous area of it's Miami. not what you
0: think of when you think of Miami no it's like no, suburbs Miami
1: <laughs> yeah It's like neighborhood Miami, like, you know what I mean? It's like, there's houses around that area, not, not like the beautiful condos and the water and all that stuff, you know, it's, um, traffic and, you know, like dad's cutting their lawns, parking lots and stuff. Yeah. It's like, you know, anyway. Um, so that'll be really interesting. Um, I I, I like the concept of being in Miami and the glamor of it, but the original concept where they were going to like run around the cruise terminal, Yes. Um, th- that got scrapped that would have been something really special and unique but i guess the community there didn't want that so they end up going around the stadium again and and what's really interesting is you know tom garfinkel this is getting a little bit in the weeds but if you guys remember that name um he used to be with hall of fame racing um and now he is i believe the uh the president of the dolphins um or the the, the stadium there um he went to the, what the Diamondbacks for a while Padres something like that. I'm losing my baseball. He went to some baseball team um, Now he's in football. He he ends up being uh, the, the head of this race that they've brought there um, So he has a racing background. He has a NASCAR background even so um, interesting that he was involved in bringing f1, but um, You know, I think f1 is has been on the rise uh, You know the Netflix series seemed to do a lot for people um, I, I don't know about you guys who are NASCAR fans, but you may have heard some of your non-racing friends talk about F1 recently. I, I know I have, just based on the Netflix series. Um, they they really think, oh, drive to survive. I'm kind of into F1 now, which is fascinating. The ratings have been seemed to go up a little bit um, on ESPN. And now, if F1 does, you know, two years, uh, two races uh, season in the United States, and really is able to sustain that and spaces them out, um, I really think F1 could start to get a little bit of a foothold here which is really interesting and not something I necessarily saw coming when ESPN took the contract and like, yeah, we'll just put it on TV commercial free. Oh yeah. We screwed up the first race. Yeah. Whatever. Um, You know, it's, it seems to be getting some momentum.
0: I agree with all that. There seemed to be more buzz about it. They've done a really good job with the television show on Netflix of capturing the personalities and the behind the scenes drama. So it's just not about racing. It's about all the intrigue and the infighting and everything else behind the scenes that makes formula one and really racing, um, at, at any top level, so glamorous and just intriguing. And I think you're seeing now they're starting to spread their wings a little bit. Liberty Media, Liberty Media has come in, and they've done a really good job of marketing this. They're looking at new areas to bring races, and whether it's Vietnam, whether it's, it's tracks in the Mi- Middle East. Now they're, they're looking at two races in the United States, and it's going to be interesting to see where that second race is. Coda, to me, is one of the great tracks in the, in the country and maybe the world. I, I would love to see it continue there, but we know Roger Penske has been up front. He wants formula one back at in Indianapolis and what Roger wants. Roger usually gets, um, Las Vegas has been talked about as a possible destination. So it, it's great that formula one is really hit, made inroads in the United States. It, it, it was a long road where United, the United States did not have a race for, for a long, long time. And it came here and there was the, all the issues at the brickyard and everything that that entailed with, with the tires. And it does seem like now it is a big deal in this country. And you're, you're starting to see that a little bit and that the fact that they've, they've had this, you know, drive their survive show and other series, including NASCAR are looking to replicate that, that that speaks volumes.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, I, I understand NASCAR wants something like that, but you've really got to hit it right and get the right audience and get in front of the right audience. You know, we keep hearing about how NASCAR wants like the follow documentary type thing, but, um, and no offense to, I know you were on, you know, part of the motor trend show uh, show. last year, which is, it's great for, you know, people who have that or have, you know, find that. But when you go on Netflix with that kind of thing, you're getting in front of an audience that, you know, you wouldn't otherwise get where, you know, NASCAR gets on Netflix with the doc with a sitcom that is sort of the formulaic sitcom. And it's probably not appealing to, you know, a mass new audience, it, may, it might appeal to NASCAR fans or something or Kevin James fans, but it's, you know, if you can really hit the right sweet spot, that's when you can really grow, use that kind of thing to grow your your brand. So, um, but it's interesting though, like it also helps that this is not going to be a runaway season um, as we've seen in the past for Formula One. You're really going to have a tight championship battle this year. It seems like Red Bull's really stepped up. Max Verstappen, um, you know, we're, we're seeing a guy that maybe, Maybe he can sort of tame his inner Stenhouse this year and, uh, <laughs> you know, keep it on the track, you know, get some good finishes. Um, and Lewis Hamilton, uncharacteristic mistake today, you would have thought that would have been the end of his day. And of course he ends up, you know, pulling a sort of, it kind of reminded me of like Jimmy Johnson during his championship yeah, years. That, where you're like, I was oh, thinking that too, you know, you, Oh, they're down and out now. Like there's this one time in Atlanta where, you know, they're, they're screwed and they end up coming back and, and finishing, you know, second or third or something and, and getting a lot of points. Lewis Hamilton comes up back through the field. He helped, he was helped by a red flag with his teammate, uh, maybe teammate and future replacement even. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's it's sort of, you know, marvelous to see him be able to drive and, and live in the Lewis Hamilton area, era, I still think. But um, that that's going to be a great championship battle all year. You've had some different guys as well in F1 win recently or get podiums that freshens it up too. you know, it's not just, Hey, it's, it's, um, Mercedes and Ferrari dominating every podium every week. You know, that's, there's been some interesting things to talk about. So, you know, it F1 right now has me excited to look, uh, at what time, you know, the, the lights out time is each week and, and try to see where they are and what they're doing and wake up early for it if I need to, you know, which hasn't always been the case.
0: I think it's great. And I think Max really coming into his own. And to me, he reminds me of a little bit of Chase Elliott. He's a driver who had a lot of potential, a lot of promise. And there's flashes of him every year. He wins some races and you're thinking, man, if he could just kind of, you know, round himself into form a little bit and take that next step, he's going to be something special. And we saw it last year to some degree, and we're really seeing it this year, and this is a driver who's always been fast, always been aggressive, but now is learning kind of harness it a little bit, and he has got a mentality, and we saw it today on that lap one start, of he is not afraid to go toe to toe with Lewis Hamilton. A lot of people are intimidated by Lewis, a lot of people are kind of you know back away a little bit. Max, don't give a damn. (laughs) We saw that on lap one. He will stick it in there and he will make you back down and he's got the right temperament. Now, he's got to harness this for the, the entire season because you cannot have bad races when you're competing against Lewis Hamilton. We've seen other guys, whether it's Vettel, whether it's teammates, Rosberg or Botas, at times they've been able to go against Hamilton, but they haven't been able to do it week in and week out because Hamilton is hes like, you know, he's just he's flawless. He really is. And even today, when he makes a mistake, he's able to rally from that. Max can do this, and that the Red Bull's got a car now that is as good as the Mercedes is. Uh, this this world championship is going to go down to the wire, and that Max has got a rival who has got the mentality that Max – or Lewis has got a rival now in Max that, that this kind of mentality, I, I'm excited like you.
1: Real quick, uh, Botas or um, Russell, who who do you blame on that big incident? I don't in blame
0: AM? any – to me, it's a racing deal. I mean, it, it, it's a racing deal. The bigger thing to me is the fact that Botas was even in that position to begin with in a Mercedes He's getting passed yeah. by a Williams that to me, it's a racing accident. It happens. Why in the heck are you in a Mercedes? Are you getting passed by a Williams?
1: Yeah. I mean, Botas always seems sort of like he's a head closed and collected, but I, you know, he, it's gotta be getting to him. It's really gotta be getting to him. Like he has that demeanor where he's, he's sort of stoic, you know, but, uh, to me the the pressure, any, it would get to anybody, you know, all the talk and stuff, it, you know, I'm sure that that's, it's really adding up to him at this point. So, um, anyway, how about IndyCar? Uh, Jimmy Johnson makes his debut. And of course we had very low expectations for Jimmy. The fact that he didn't qualify last, he even seemed to be, uh, pleased with then on lap one, uh, new garden, totally uncharacteristic incident, uh, just loses it, causes a huge crash, takes out Colton hurt, Colton Hurta among others. And, um, Jimmy Johnson with his, uh, super speedway style, uh, wreck avoidance. I guess at times he slams on the brakes, picks his way through the wreckage (laughs) and ends up, you know, getting a bunch of spots. He probably would not have gained. Otherwise I think he ends up, of course, then the race restarts and he spins out on his own, goes a lap down, uh, ultimately finishes 19th, three laps down in his IndyCar car debut. But, uh, you know, he finished the race and, uh, I I don't know if I was going to say it was respectable. I don't know. About that, it's a learning experience, I guess. Um, he's he's got a lot of work to do, obviously. His teammate um, Alex Palou wins the race, first IndyCar race uh, for Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, Jimmy will make some strides, I'm sure. You know, he's he's always a hard worker and he's dedicated, but he's also, you know, not in his prime anymore. So I don't know. And he's trying to learn something completely new and very hard. Um, I, I wonder how quickly people will sort of in IndyCar. Get weary of the uh, the Jimmy questions, the Jimmy hype, the Jimmy commercial ads, when you know he's not running in the top fifteen. Uh, do you think he'll make gains?
0: I think he'll make gains. I mean, I think anytime you you can get more seat time, you get more experience. You're going to get better, and the commitment level that Jimmy has is certainly extremely high. And you're going to get better. It's going to be interesting though as this goes on. Uh, like you said, how how do people around him handle this? You know, how do other drivers when they're racing him handle Jimmy Johnson? And today, my big takeaway um, just from the race in general is the fact that two championship contenders in New Garden and Colton Herta, uh, lap one incident, they're both out, and those are two guys we expect to be fighting for the championship. And now they're they're in a points hole, and they're in a big points hole, and it's going to be hard for them, and their margin of error is is very is much smaller than it was before. And it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. And today, you know, Will Power had a really good day. Scott Dixon had a good day. Um, Rossi had a good day and kind of faded late. But those are three guys that we expect to be in the the championship hunt. They leave Barber with top 10 finishes. So if you're New Garden, you're, 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 you're looking at this going, this is a lost opportunity and we are in trouble.
1: Yeah. I think if you're those guys, you're just like, thank God Scott Dixon didn't win and only finished third, you know? Um, you know cuz i think you know you're you're going to expect him to win more um you know there's there's some guys at, at, up in the in the top 10 of the standings and the top 10 finishers i guess today that you know you're you're probably like ah, i don't know is is Renis VK going to be there all year Bourdais, you know Ray Hall, you know stuff like that so um i think you see like what Hol- what Colton has said in his interview like about how, Hey, it's, this is a really tight field this year's, you know, it's really competitive. You know, guys are going to make mistakes. Guys are not going to have a great week every week. I don't think you're going to see like Scott Dixon go out and, and dominate and run away with it this year. But, um, I do think that you can't build that much of a points hole. You know, there, there'll be an opportunity for, for a new garden to get back in the championship race, but he also can't have like consecutive bad weeks like this or else, um, it's going to get away from him pretty quickly. I mean, he's already 46 points out of the lead. So, um, that's obviously not great. Yeah,
0: and you can't expect Scott Dixon to have too many bad races. We saw it a little bit down the, the second half of last year. He started leaking. You know, He had a big championship point lead the first half of the year and then kind of leaked away in the, in the second half. But that's very atypical of Scott Dixon. You, you know he's going to be in the mix, and you know he's not going to give you too many opportunities to uh, gain points on him.
1: Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit HelloTEND.com slash sale. That's hello com slash sale. And book your free consult today. So Jordan, if we can, uh, we've, we've talked about F1, we've talked about IndyCar, let's sort of jump backwards into uh, a little bit more nascar um because i I did i was i was gone for a month uh did miss the chance to weigh in on on a couple things i guess can
0: can i ask you a very i've been waiting for the right opportunity can i ask you a very important question okay and you know what i'm gonna ask you
1: i know you're gonna ask something about bristol dirt Race, but i don't know what give me
0: your opinion on the bristol dirt race I know you watched it. Yeah. Give me your opinion on it.
1: Oh, I I watched it.
0: (laughs) Give me your opinion. So I am so ready for this.
1: Listen, I I definitely hate watched most of the weekend. Um, And I I wouldn't say I enjoy it. I enjoyed it. And it was to the point where it it was probably like an unhealthy hatred of what was happening. Um, I was really concerned for you. In
0: all seriousness, I was like, I was worried about your health.
1: I I really was, I was like, this is, this is like an unhealthy level of stress. Like (laughs) I, I, we like, we joke around, but no I'm serious. I was was concerned. No, I know. Like when, first of all, when, when all the, you know, the dust was happening before the rain came and everything, I was just like, ah, I knew it. I knew this is so like, I was just angry and I wasn't happy like that. I knew it. I was just like, I knew this is dang it. Like, why are they doing this? And then when the rain happened and it it looked like they were going to have like this, you know they were never gonna get this race in and just because of this big rainstorm and you know i was like man if this had been a pavement track they could have gotten a dry and of course i was you know my blood pressure pressure was rising at that um then ultimately the race was okay i mean i i, I see that people enjoyed it it got a good rating and there was it a good race poll it seemed to get like universal praise people were like this is great i love this um i i just did i did not like it and the, the reason I did not like it was because, um, I kept comparing it in my mind to pavement Bristol and it's fine if people thought, oh, this is cool. And, and I heard you on the podcast say, this is, you know, this is a great event. They made it an event and, it, and look, it got a lot of buzz. So that was the goal. They did it like they, they had people talking about it. I saw Matt Benedetto saying, Hey, I had my neighbors all week saying, what was the dirt race like? And you know, people talking about it. So they, they got buzz. But, again, to sacrifice uh, what I think is the best track in NASCAR, the best short track uh, race, uh, the race that last year, you know, has gotten some of the best ratings in, in the poll uh, that everybody just loves, to, to lose that um, when in a time when everybody is screaming more short tracks, more short tracks, hashtag more short tracks, NASCAR takes a short track away and gives us more road courses and gives us this dirt race, which, again, you know, yeah you okay you wanted a spectacle great you, i guess you got it but it it, it, it wasn't enjoyable for me i want to see the you know i just feel like these right now in this in this nascar environment i bounce back and forth between sort of being entertained by what's going on in nascar like hey that was a good race I, I like the package whatever and sort of being resentful that right now some of the best stock car drivers ever their careers are sort of being uh I don't know, but wasted by this entertainment focus. And what I mean is like, this is not, this has gone so far down the road of entertainment now with stages and playoffs and all the stuff that you're really watering down greatness. I don't know who is great anymore. Who's the best or who can really drive this? You know, it's, it's, it's all about the air and blocking and, you know, this late restart or, and you know, the right timing of the playoffs to win the last two races and all this stuff. And, and I just wonder what would happen. Like, Hey, like, what you know if you played it out if you just played everything out and you gave them the horsepower back and you you know just said hey whoever has the most points wins and like just go for it like I think that would be compelling and interesting like it was when I first got attracted to um, to NASCAR racing and so just to, I guess the dirt race was sort of the embodiment of that for me where I'm like gosh there's just so far down this road now where you get rid of even a short track race which is great for dirt and, you know, I, I joke to you, I think even on the podcast, well, what's next? Ice racing. And then Euro series does this like ice test and, and NASCAR puts it on their Twitter. They promote it. And they're like, check out this ice racing. Everybody's like, oh, that'd be cool. It, it just seems like this, like you, you're taking the best stock car drivers, the best guys, this, this elite group. Um, The elite pavement oval series in the entire world that you've built it up to saying, let's throw them on dirt. Let's throw them on ice. Let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, It's just like, why, why are you making them into like sort of just the circus act? Like, I I guess that's, that's what it is now. It's just like the entertainment stuff. And if you want the purity of racing, you can go to IndyCar, you can go to F1, but (sighs) I don't know. It just, it just frustrates me. That was not bad. I was, it started off a little slow
0: your rant. And I was like, ah, I was kind of disappointed. And then it peaked. It kept getting better and better. So I was, I would I'd give it like a seven out of a 10 on the scale of what I was expecting. It was really good.
1: Well, the anger has subsided. I mean, it's been two weeks, Oh but I, gotta- I guess I'm just sort of, I'm, I'm just resigned to it now. Honestly, like I sat back and, and saw all the reaction and saw everything. And I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm the one who's out of touch, not NASCAR. You know, that's the thing. Like, I see what fans like and and what they're voting on the polls. I mean, I sent you texts um, several times while I was gone saying you guessed way too high every single week you did. Yeah. I said, I would have guessed, you know, 10% below this 15% below this. There's no way one of the races I said, I'll eat my shoe or something. If (laughs) I can't remember which, which race it was, maybe Atlanta. I don't know. They all blend together.
0: Your, your angry texts all blend together after a while. I got to be honest with you.
1: I'm like, there's no way it's gonna be that high. And sure enough, people end up you you're you have the, the pulse of the fans right now. You have the voice of the fans. So um I'm I'm the one that's out of touch. So it's I, I can't sit here and call for change and say NASCAR should do this, NASCAR should do this, because people like for the most part what they're doing. The the, the group of people like me, I think, is getting smaller, and I'm not even that old school. Like I came in. 2004 when the chase already existed so but I I just feel like I'm losing touch with what I really liked about NASCAR and it's just so blatantly entertainment focused now which I mean it's, it's fine I just I guess I feel like I got into sports and sports writing and stuff to like cover like the great athletes and see who is the best and all this stuff and I just don't know who's the best anymore
0: I I mean, we we don't want to get into a, a debate about you know the state of NASCAR or anything like that. I, I I hear what you're saying. There are there is some truth. I believe in what you're saying, and I agree with partially what you're saying. To me, though, I can still see greatness. I mean, I see Chase Elliott win three or five playoff races. To me, that is a driver and team rising up to the occasion and doing something special. Um, when I see Christopher Bell chase down Joey Logano on the Daytona road course and beat him, to me, that that is something special. So I, I still think you have these moments. I, things are different now and everything, but I, I look at the playoffs, and I'm sorry, and I, I understand what you're saying, but we, we, we've we seen it time and time again where, where drivers and teams are in these situations where they have to rise up and find a way to win a race. Whether well, it was Brad Keselowski, At Talladega in 2014, which to me is still one of the great wins that people don't talk about a lot either. When he has to go to Talladega and win to advance, and and does it, I don't know. I mean that that to me is incredible. So I I still think at, at its core, NASCAR delivers these moments. They're just maybe in a little bit different form.
1: But I think when you see that stuff, you're sort of projecting. You're projecting like a guy, you know with talent, you know, overcoming, and, you know, he just hungrier and stuff, when in reality, like, you look at Chase Elliott. Alan Gustafson gave him some fantastic cars last year. He went out and did what he had to do, and he stomped everybody, and they won the championship. This year, he comes out, the defending champion hasn't won a race yet. He's the only Hendrick driver who hasn't won a race yet. Not that he's having a bad year, but I can't look at him right now and say he is – the best driver in the series, or he is the fifth best driver in the series or whatever. You know what I mean? But you had that Um, before
0: in other systems. I mean, you had years where Jeff Gordon would finish a lot, you know, 2005 Gordon wins. Jeff Gordon opens a season by winning the Daytona 500, then finishes 11th in points and misses the playoffs. No one was going to say that Jeff Gordon wasn't a great driver that year. He's still Jeff Gordon. He still had a great year. It's just, you have sometimes you in racing, you, you, you've got these ups and downs and he's got these lulls. It's just, that's part of it to me. It doesn't diminish chase Elliott's talent or anything.
1: Yeah, but from week to week back then, you could see guys hanging it out. You could see Jimmy battling with Gordon and going head to head at some mile and a half track race where it was who had the most guts to take it into the corner and not wreck and not lift or whatever, you know, furthest. And, you know, I I don't know. I just, it's just, it's fine. It's fine. It's just different to me now. I have to, I'm the one who has to adjust. Um, And certainly, I think it helps, honestly and I'm just being frank here that, you know, this is my job to cover it. I don't have to view it as a fan. You know what I mean? I try to, you know, uh, try to picture what fans think about it and what fans like about it and don't like about it, but I'm not the fan I'm covering what's going on, you know? So I'm here to document and talk about it. But, um, you know, if people like what's happening, then that that's, that's great for NASCAR. Um, anyway, I don't know. No, it's an, it's the I, eternal. I, I, I think it's that. the
0: eternal battle that NASCAR has been. That NASCAR has been. You know, this. this, this how do you appeal to a longtime NASCAR fan who, who's used to a very certain way, while also appealing to it, catering to a new fan or casual fan and getting them to come in? And it's it, it's we we've seen it. It's this, this this push and pull that they they've got to balance, and it's hard. And sometimes they go one direction, sometimes they go another and you're never to me, I I do feel bad from the sense that you're never, you're, you're kind of damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, because whatever you do, you're going to end up upsetting somebody.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they, they have a, I think clearly they have a vision. The people in NASCAR now, the leadership have a vision. They have a direction they want to go, whether it's the schedule, whether it's the rules changes, whether it's the new car, um, you know, the event type feel, um, they're going the direction they want to go. I just don't know. You know, again, it's, it's, it's tough for people sort of like me. I'm sure there's other people like me who are sort of caught in the middle of, you know, that the generational change. But speaking of generational change, uh, it's been crazy around here, Jordan with, um, with two daughters now. So I don't, I don't know if I, the lack of sleep made (laughs) me uh, make any sense during this podcast, but um, I did get a little bit more sleep knowing that you uh, your your car was stolen that that didn't make that made me lose sleep um, And and that was very upsetting. I was very upset for you about that and uh, And then it really made me rest easier knowing that and we haven't updated people on this yet uh, You got it back and from what I understand unscathed. Yeah, Can you tell the, the yeah, is that right? Yeah,
0: it is right So I'll tell you the story so got home from Martinsville about one thirty Monday morning uh, at my apartment complex came out Monday, late afternoon, early evening to, to head out. My car's gone. And I literally stood there with my hands on my hips. Like I know where I parked my car. It's not there. Like what is going on? And honestly, everything is running through your mind. Like did they tow it for some reason? Does, is someone playing a joke on me? What is going on? So I walked around my car apartment complex multiple times. It was gone. It was stolen. Called the cops, reported stolen. And they were candid. I mean, they were like, hey, yeah, you're probably not going to get it back, but good luck. You never know. And Wednesday Wednesday night late um, at about 1030 or so, I got a phone call from the Kannapolis Police Department, which is about 20 minutes or so from where I live. And they said to me, "Uh, yeah, we've got your car. It's sitting in the parking lot at a dive motel. Would you mind coming up and and, uh, identifying it? Okay. So (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, is it damaged? They're like, no, it doesn't appear to be. I'm like, get out of here. So hop, wow. hopped in an Uber, uh, went to the motel. It was sitting in a parking lot, undamaged. Uh, it had been ransacked. I didn't really didn't keep anything in there of, of value, though I do need a NASCAR hard card. So there. maybe the thief is going to be at one of these NASCAR races. The thief has your hard card? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because uh, I took it out when I was coming home from Martinsville, and I usually put it right in my briefcase, but I was driving, so I didn't. Uh, so yeah, but my car was, wow, sitting- if you see a, a new face, show up <laughs> in the press box, yeah. <laughs> we'll, know, we'll know who that is. Yeah, be like, exactly. Um,
1: it'll say affiliation, uh, car thief. Yeah. Be like, Oh uh, yeah. Are you, you new here? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I uh, stole a guy's car. A hard card was in it. Wow. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah uh, so my car is sitting there everything it, 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 it's not damaged which is you know incredible and in the trunk I had a small black briefcase um, that I had brought with me to Martinsville when I got back on Monday it um, I, I just didn't bring it in with me my hands were full it was late I had writing to do it just you know one of those things I'll do it the next day and so I look in the trunk it's gone and I'm like damn I've got some clothes in there that, you know, it meant a lot to me and they were, they're pretty valuable. And, and, and I was just, I was like, oh man, I really would like that suitcase shoot. And so the cops left and I said, you know, I bet you the thief took my briefcase or took my bag and went into the motel with it. Just, it would make sense, you know? So I'm like, I'm gonna go check. So I walk into the motel, I ask the front desk clerk, I said, by any chance, has someone left a black suitcase in one of the rooms the last few days? They're like, yeah, it's sitting behind the desk. I'm like, well, can I see it? And they're like, well, we can't show it to you, uh, you know, hotel policy." I'm like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna tell you everything that's in that suitcase and then if I do, you're gonna give me the suitcase. They, they agreed, <laughs> they agreed. And so I nailed everything that was in the suitcase, they handed me the suitcase. Now what had happened was, and this is, I used to work at a hotel way back when, so I kind of knew how this works is when people leave stuff in rooms, what the staff usually does is they will leave a note on it with the person's name and phone number, and that way it's easy to identify when that person calls, and they can say, I'm in this room, here's my name, and it just, boom, it just makes it easy. So when they handed me my bag, there was a piece of paper attached to my suitcase, it had a name of the person that checked into that room and his phone number.
1: Wow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. wow so i gave so it did to, you yeah yeah did you report that yeah I, I gave it
0: to the police department um i'm not sure where they're at in their res- investigation i'm you know obviously i'm staying out of it it's not my department um but yeah. uh hopefully they'll figure it out but yeah i, I can't believe it
1: <laughs> wow that is unbelievable i mean yeah i i was so sad for you uh because i saw that car that you had you driven out down to daytona and um i was like man that's it's a really cool car. And it seems like you really loved that thing and it was gone. And I just felt sad and you were stuck at your apartment and having to order in groceries and stuff. And, and next thing you know, you're like, Hey, I got my car back. And I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's crazy Great news. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, so yeah, I don't, I mean, gosh, we've talked to uh, this might be your longest podcast, podcast now, ever.
0: So. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's, we had a lot of, a
1: lot to catch up on. Um, I'll, uh, probably edit this and do some writing and then, Go back to being uh, peed and pooped and puked on. That sounds miserable. Are you surviving, by the about? way? Because
0: I've gotten some of your text messages. And it, it, to me, the things you've been telling me about fatherhood with two young kids sounds miserable. But more power to you. It sounds like you're enjoying it.
1: I like to share the worst of it with you because I know your stance on children. <laughs> and I, I know you'll be like, wow, that's that sounds awful. No, but it's it's actually great. I mean, despite you know being puked on while I was watching the F1 race this morning and stuff like that. I mean, all the, all the moments of parenthood as parents out there know, um, the, the good moments far outweigh the bad moments. And even though the stressful moments or or being tired or, you know, having to deal with screaming children or whatever it is, I mean, you know, that, of course that wears you down at times and you're stressed, but, um, you know, the moments are, are so good on the other part of it. Like, um, my daughter, older daughter, Liliana she's being such a good big sister to our, our new baby Kaya. She's always trying to be gentle with her and go over and wave to her and stuff. And she's just like, so excited to have somebody in the, in the, in the apartment with us and um, somebody else in the family. So it's just like, those moments are great. I don't know how I'm going to handle it when, you know, breaking news comes up and we've got to write now or, or, or whatever, or, you know, I'm sure I'll be writing very late at night as I try to still help out, but, you know, if John Hunter Nemechek can win a race with a, <laughs> a two-week-old, uh, in staying in the motorhome with him and saying he even did a, a feeding during the night in the middle of the night before his race win, then uh, I can manage a four-week-old. I think so.
0: <laughs> you say uh, that now. That's where I'm at. I look forward to your angry. Yeah, <laughs> I thought your tags at Bristol were angry. I just wait for the what's going to happen the next couple of weeks as you come back to work and you've got to manage being both a father and a you know a job.
1: Well, I mean a lot of that's working parents out there. Uh I mean gosh, I can't even imagine like how hard it is for you single parents out there. At least I have help. You know what I mean? Like it's gotta be really, really tough for people who are single parents. But um I mean some people are, you know, not to get too, you know, serious I guess, but um, you know, some people are, are desperately trying to have children and can't have children, so I'm certainly not gonna complain. I mean you look at all the stuff Kyle and Samantha Bush have been going through, um you know, posting all their updates and, and it's just like heartbreaking to see as they try to have a, a, another child. So, uh, I feel very, very lucky and fortunate. I'm ready to get back to work and thanks everybody for putting up, um, putting up with my absence there for, for a month while I got my feet under me.
0: Before we go though, Jeff, we have to do the good race poll.
1: Wow. I almost forgot. I like legitimately almost forgot. See, wow. I'm
0: a professional podcaster. I got this.
1: <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Where's my head at? <laughs> Um. Well, you're up 5-4 thanks to Big Joe Wall. Uh, let, Let's update on the stats here real quick. So Big Joe Wall, 72, who is on Twitter and keeps our score every week. Thanks to him. Um, he's combined my uh, early season results with Michelle Martinelli, Jenna Fryer, and Zach Albert. Thanks to them, by the way, for filling in. Yep, they were awesome. Uh, Combined, we have uh, four wins. You have five wins. The point differential, you've only missed by a total of 52 points we have missed by 61 points so it's fairly close but um i need to get back close now so uh you are the defending winner you beat zach barely by a couple percent um actually zach saved me from being way off here so (laughs) um, from last week at martinsville so uh go ahead and, and give your guess
0: i'm gonna say can i do you have the numbers in front of you what's the lowest richmond race previously
1: the lowest one was um, 44, I believe it was last year. Okay. Um, I think it was 44-something. And then there was another one. I think like the 2019 one also was in the 40s, like 46-ish okay. or something like that. Okay.
0: Um, good finish. I, I'm going to say I'm, I'm vacillating between 50 or 52%. I'm just going to say 50%. Uh, I think the, uh, the first... 350 laps or so are going to override the last
1: 50. Oh, see actually I think this is you're, I think you're giving me a slam dunk on my return here. Uh are you like do you feel bad for me or something? You're just showing no, me an easy win? You just got
0: done talking about how I've got I've got my pulse on the fan and what they're thinking and how you're off base. So please tell me wise one why I am wrong.
1: Well, I think this is going to be a 62%. Uh I think that it was on track certainly easily for 40s. And then uh, the good battle at the end um, and then obviously the winner out of nowhere, I think saved it enough for enough people. It'll be over half people, over half the people. Um, And yeah, I think, uh, I think it'll be in the high fifties, low sixties. I I need to catch up with my point differential. So I don't, I don't want to prices right you on here. I want to get close. So I'm going to guess, I'm going to say 62. All right.
0: Fair enough. I, I again, I can understand that if you watch that last, I don't know 50 laps or so of that race you, you saw a very good race that what you saw before that though not so much
1: well everybody uh thanks again for listening to what might be the longest teardown ever we appreciate you um and we'll of course be back next week with some Talladega talk that's gonna be fun so uh again yeah thanks everybody for putting up my absence and talk to you next time on the teardown